name is Mars. Madman Mars. Back to Scream 101. This is Brennan Klein. And I'm Shannon Chalakian. And congratulations if you guessed with our last week's clue that this week's episode would be based on the 1982 slasher classic Madman. If you drop a vowel from I Madman and add a planet, you get the villain of Madman, which is Madman Mars, which was an insane clue, but I thought I'd try it. <laughs> My dad got kind of close, actually. Well, I hope you got it. And just really quick, I wanted to talk about just our credo here at Scream 101, what we do in the shadows, so to speak. Basically, the reason we started this podcast is because what I do nearly every single day of my life is force my friends to watch all of the horror movies that I watch all of the time. And what we thought would be a really cool thing to bring to everybody would be these two really differing perspectives, because most of my friends aren't really super into the horror genre. Shannon especially... I actually learned that she had never seen a single horror movie before she met me, which I didn't actually realize. I mean, I know she watched a lot with me, and I was very, if I do say so myself, influential in her horror education, but actually, in reality, every single horror film that she's seen in her entire life, she has seen for the first time with me, and I actually feel very flattered that that's true. Do you want to chime in on that? <laughs> Certainly. Uh, I think a big part of why we decided to call this Scream 101 is because I felt that I had really gotten an, a Scream education um, as far as scary movies and horror goes because Brennan is an anthology of knowledge. He just knows way too much for a normal person about true. horror films. I'm glad that we can broadcast this and, and you can see in real time what a nerd he is. It hurts. The knowledge hurts. Okay, so on to today's episode. So this is the second episode. Um, if you want to listen to our first episode, it is on iTunes. We are very excited about it. We are on iTunes. We're official. By the rules of the internet, you have to listen to us. Exactly. Okay, so the plot of Madman, the 1982 slasher, as read from the Vinegar Syndrome 4K Blu-ray release, which would be a super weird Christmas present for me if you want to get it, here it goes. Years ago, Madman Mars violently murdered his family, only to escape into the woods before his execution could be completed. Legend has it that anyone who calls his name above a whisper can summon, can summon him back to continue his bloody rampage. But teenage Richie, away at camp, doesn't believe the old legend and calls his name. As night falls, strange things start happening at camp, and soon Madman Mars is back. Axe in hand to finish the killing spree he started decades ago. And actually, Madman Mars is based on the Cropsey Killer, which was like a kind of a, a New York, New England summer camp legend that was kind of like a folklore thing at the time. And it should be, it should be noted, for those of you who don't know, Madman Mars, his last name, I guess, Mars, is spelled with a Z. Because you can't read it, so I'm going to tell you it's important for you to know. It was the 80s. He was, like a, he was like a pop princess. Nobody spelled things right. That's true. Like Millie, Millie Vanilli. I mean, those aren't words, I guess. Like a Hazy Fantasy or Susie and the Banshees. No one spelled things right. That's true. And actually, none of those things that I just said were words. They just made up words in the 80s. Just nothing was words. 
There are spoilers in this discussion. All right, so I'm going to lead us into the discussion for the day by saying that um, one of the things that we say about Brennan forcing me to watch bad horror films is absolutely true, because this movie was horrible. It was really boring. I'm sorry. It was horrible. I If I was watching on my own volition, which I don't know why I would ever watch this on my own volition, but if I were, I would have turned it off probably after the, the opening ballad. Well, okay, every movie needs an opening ballad, let's be fair. <laughs> let's be fair to Madman Mars. But it wasn't as dull as some of the slasher movies that I've forced myself to watch. But yeah, that's that's one of the films where when I'm watching it for my Census Bloodbath pro project, which um, is a project on my blog where I'm watching every single slasher film of the entire 1980s, it's one of the ones where I'm forcing myself to watch just to have seen it and not because it's actually enjoyable or in a any value. real way. Yeah. yeah, so absolutely hated it, was horrible, I'm going to bash on it this entire podcast, prepare to be entertained because I... Luckily, we're a clean podcast, because otherwise, there would just be profanity for days, because oh, I am just so upset. No, not really. It's It was fine. It was just really, really bad. Okay. Oh, and that's not even the worst I have got in store for you, sister. Oh, that's true. I know. Oh, you don't even know. Like, my ratings are so skewed because of what I've seen. I have horrors in my past that you can't even imagine. I had to watch Monos with you. That, Monos Hands of Fate is a masterpiece. No, I absolutely agree, but it also is also just grueling. <laughs> anyway, we gotta move on. We'll move on. Okay, so, remember our rating system. Um, we're rating scariness for, on screams, campiness on perms, gore on severed limbs, and quality on unlucky stars. And it's a one to five scale. One being the lowest and five being the most. We're not gonna run into any of those. <laughs> okay, so first, scariness. Brennan, what did you think? Uh, well, I have to agree with you. I gave it a 1 out of 5 on scariness. Like I said in our last episode, I'm Madman, now on iTunes. Um, slasher films are very rarely scary. This one, least of all. Um, it had no tension at all. The editing was insane. There were random close-ups of like the ground, candles being lit, it was very jittery. It seemed like a first-time filmmaker just kind of slapping things together. It was very amateurish. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it definitely was not scary. I actually fell asleep very briefly during the film, especially this one, because I was so uninvested. Um, and the editing made it just absolutely horrible, especially because there was no character development. There was no save the cat moment. There was nothing that would make me invested in any of the characters. Yeah, it was very dull, very repetitive. It's somebody goes out into the woods to look for somebody else. Somebody gets slaughtered by Madman Mars, who looks kind of cool, not very scary. He looks like a ghost of a miner for some reason. Like he's got a billowy white beard and he's got this pillowy fat suit on, I guess. And yeah. he's got this, these weird claw hands that make him look like a rat king. It's not particularly scary, but at least it's mildly interesting. Yeah, they did have some pretty good, um, the kind of jump scare moments. It's kind of like close the locker do the locker, and there's someone right behind it. Like those sort of moments, which were nice, but they weren't scary. They were just kind of funny because he just looks so ridiculous. There also was a character that was never introduced. Um, <laughs> we He never had a single word and then was killed off in the first, like, three minutes of the movie. Also, his name was Dippy, and he was the camp's drunkard cook. And the scariest part about his death scene, which was the first of the film, is basically he has run out of alcohol, 
And so he goes to open this store of alcohol, and he gets his throat slit as he opens the door. But the scariest part is that the door he opens, he goes, he unlocks the lock, and he grabs the knob. But the door is enormous. The door is the entire wall, and that freaked me out more than the madman standing behind it. Yeah, that's true. The door was huge. So I, I rated uh, one out of five, and Brendan Haight rated one out of five on scariness in uh, one screams each. Moving on to campiness. So this is where this movie shines, I think, because it is true 80s. The hairstyles are ridiculous. They are in the woods, so you don't get some of that um, Mona-esque makeup that we love <laughs> so much from our last podcast. But it did have some just horrible, horrible, low-quality, true 80s charm, which is why I think I gave it a 4 out of 5 perms. Wow, that's very generous. I gave it a uh, 3 out of 5 perms because, again, I've seen a lot of this. Um, it's not the most campy thing that I've seen, but there are three delectable scenes that I would like to talk about when we have a chance, which is now. Um, first of all, the scene that we absolutely, absolutely need to talk about was going to happen. There is a sex scene in oh, this movie no. between the main character, Betsy, who first of all is played by Galen Ross from Dawn of the Dead under a fake name because she doesn't want anyone to know. But we're calling you out, Galen Ross. You look like a stoned Tilda Swinton <laughs> in this movie. Anyway, so she's having sex with her boyfriend, whose name is T.P., and he's played by a guy named... Oh, shoot, what's his name? He is named Tony Fish, which I think tells you everything you need to know about Tony Fish. So T.P. and Betsy, they had a fight, they make up, then they're going to have some hot, steamy sex in this hot tub. So they get into this hot tub, during which a song written by Tony Fish himself is playing, and they get into this hot tub, and they start just swirling around in this hot tub and while they're revolving around in this hot tub staring at each other they're also spinning around so they're they're moving around the hot tub orbiting each other and spinning in their own orbits just grinning like idiots while this terrible jazzy song plays and it's the best thing that ever happens and then they make out like they don't even really do anything else it's the full song it's not like a part of the song no it's literally you're sitting there for like a solid four minutes watching the, this super awkward couple about to make love in a hot tub, and it's absolutely horrible. It's basically the Citizen Kane of sex scenes. Yeah, it's horrible. But I, I do want to say that um, we were talking about this. TP's character is, I think, the worst, because he's just, like, self-absorbed, and he loses a kid at the very beginning, which is why the entire this entire movie happens, is he loses a kid. And then he, you know, yells at Betsy, and then he, he apologizes in a really good but direct way, kind of out of character, which is why we think character development is so horrible. But it's just like his character to be having sex with his girlfriend to a song that he is singing and writing. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's my, one of my favorite things that has ever happened in my entire life. And then one of the other campy things that happened in this movie is... Oh, there's a scene where... Um, Betsy's best friend Stacy is climbing up a hill and she trips <laughs> and it's supposed to be one of these uh, fake scare sequences where you can see from the killer's POV from behind a tree and you're like oh no is he gonna get her and she's just like motivating herself to get up this hill and she's like you go girl you can do it come on and she gets up to the top of the hill and she just blows a raspberry at the hill and then that's it it's just like a 30 second scene of her yelling at a hill which is also wonderful 
The hills really are alive in Mad Men. Did you have a third? You had a third, right? Did I? You said you had a third. I promised a third, but I lied. Alright, moving on. Yeah, let's move on to gore. I rated it two out of five severed limbs. How about you? Uh, I rated it the same. Uh, there was actually some pretty good shots. The blood was too red. Yeah, it was kind of like poster paint. So I rated it two out of five, mostly because there were some good shots and there was some good gore going on. Oh, most importantly, the thing that really won the two star to the two severed limbs and not the one severed limb was the meat hook. That was Ooh, my yeah. favorite. I always love it when when the killer has this sort of superhuman strength and takes one of his victims and literally skewers them on a spike. We see this happen in, what was that movie, Brennan? With the deer antlers. Oh, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, that happened on Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I love that. That was mm -hmm. great. Um, but this happens here with the meat hook and Betsy. Who deserves it? Yeah, who definitely deserves it. Another one of those um, very strange characters in this movie. Um, gets skewered on, on a meat hook. That's that's what won the, the, the second sever limb for me. Yourself? Yeah, I agree. That one definitely earned it. That was the one part where I was like, holy crap, this movie's going hardcore. Like, mm -hmm. that was the final scene of the movie. Yeah, that was the scene where it got really hardcore for me. It was right at the end where it's like, all of a sudden she gets impaled on a meat hook, her face is slashed, she stabs the killer, everything is on fire. I'm like, holy crap, everything is happening right now. Why wasn't this the entire movie? And yeah, so that's why I gave it two out of five separate lips. The rest of it was only okay. There was the weird paint. There was, a, like, there was one guy whose back was broken but was off screen. There was some okay makeup on a guy whose neck was broken when he was being hung. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But the rest of it was only okay. All right, and the third thing I'd like to bring up with the campiness is the dialogue. The dialogue usually was just pretty boring. It was pretty basic, like, let's go find Bill. Where did Dave go? I don't know. Karen! There's no Karen. I don't know. Whatever. Or but... Dave or Bill. No, there's Dave and Bill. Oh. Bill was the guy with the Hall & Oates mustache. Oh, okay. And Dave was the guy who was, who was the blonde guy who... With a unibrow. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I just refer to them as mustache and unibrow, but okay. That's fair. Anyway, so the dialogue every now and then, it would just rise up in this tsunami of insanity where it was like <laughs> this fortune cookie writer would just burst out of the screenwriter and just... People would say things like, the biggest test is letting go. Or like, you play the game with a fair heart and look on. And just all this really weird stuff that just doesn't make any sense in context. And all this really intelligent, quasi-intellectual philosophy 101 stuff. And I would just like to mention that the art director's name is William Sheck. And I think that's appropriate because this movie is very Shecky. Yeah, it's like um, if 1982 had... Tumblr inspirational text posts, it would be this movie. I agree. Uh, so how about, what did you rate it for quality, Shannon? Quality, again, like we talked about it before, if I could take this movie and put it on a meat, meat steak, I would. It only got one unlucky star for me. All right. I gave it two out of five unlucky stars because, again, I've seen a lot worse. I have a sliding scale for slasher movies, and this isn't quite at the bottom. I very rarely give out ones or fives to anything, so this is pretty bad on my sliding scale. The only thing that was any good about this movie is that there was occasionally some kind of good cinematography with silhouettes, but that was literally it. That's it. In the entire movie. Alright you guys, it's time for my favorite segment, which is the champion dialogue segment, where we pick our favorite bits of dialogue from the movie, and there was a lot. 
All right, Shannon. So what was your favorite bit of dialogue? So my favorite bit of dialogue comes from a character named Stacy. Always love it when there's a Stacy in any horror film. Um, but she is like what we had said in the last podcast, Mona. We just both really enjoyed her, her character, correct? Yeah, we did. She was the greatest. Yeah, she was great. She um, was... She was supposed to be the the uh, slut character, like she was the one that was worldly and the woman about town and talking about sex all the time, but she had no man. Like she just wandered around all by herself and she never got to do it with anyone. And yeah. I was kind of sad for her and then she died. Yeah, and then the other women characters actually had sex in the movie. So poor Stacy. Poor Stacy. Anyway, so it comes it comes from her giving her um two cents about uh men in the world. Which I realize is related to the line I picked from last podcast, but um, I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, I think you'll really enjoy this line. Are you going to see him in town? I don't know, maybe. I need some breathing room. Well, I'm happy to hear that you recognize the signs of a possessive male. True of a possessive male. I just <laughs> I just love that. That was my, my absolute favorite part, just her. The way that she said that, like a southern drawl. Yeah, she was like mini Lady Freud. Yeah, it was great. All right, so what was your favorite line, Brennan? Okay, my favorite line, it was really hard to choose with all the super weird fortune cookie dialogue, but this comes from a scene where four of the counselors are just lying just with all of their heads pressed together in front of a fire, and it seems like they're all about to make out, but they don't. Great fire, Bill. Thanks. I love to feel the flames devour the wood. Who says there's no beauty in destruction? Right, like I said, the dialogue in this movie is just so psychology 101. It's just, most of the things that happen in this scene are just completely out of left field. Like, immediately after this, a guy jumps up and starts threatening everybody with a knife because he can't separate intellectualism from emotionalism and, I don't know, Jungian cultural identity and Freud, whatever. It's insane, and I love it. And I think that's why I love Bill's character. So that is his name, right? Bill Unibrow? Dave. Dave. That's why I love Dave so much. Dave was so great. Um, not my favorite character, though. I'm afraid I can't do that for you, Dave. You can't be my favorite character. You cannot be my favorite character, Dave. Which lead a, leads us, segue, 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 into our next uh, segment, which is favorite characters. So what was your favorite character, Brennan? All right. My favorite character was Stacy, <laughs> and I'm assuming that was yours. No, you're <gasps> wrong. All right. Well, I'll talk about mine really quick. Okay, then. please do. Okay. I just, I think we talked about this enough. But I love Stacy because she's, well, she's Betsy's best friend. She's always there for her. She has all of this super well thought out advice that's just like completely textbook psychology. Super fantastic. She knows what she's doing. She loves men. She can fix a car. She's super capable and she's the nicest, most well-rounded human. And she spits at a hill. Like what more do you want from a human being? Exactly. Um, my favorite character is actually Ellie. Nice. Yeah, so Ellie is a innocent cinnamon bun who is too pure for this world. <laughs> she has all the makings of a uh, like Midwest Western housewife. She's just so innocent and fragile, but also gets caught like mid having sex with her boyfriend, and they just like laugh it off like a sitcom, like, oh, you... It was very, very cute. But she actually lasts the longest. She's the character that we see the longest throughout the entire film because she does this one move that oh, is yeah. absolutely brilliant and makes me love her forever. She's running from from the um, Mad the Madman, Madman Mars. She's running from him and she runs into the kitchen. And you know all those things that you scream at scary movies like, 
don't go in the closet and like he's right behind you well she decides to do this move without anyone having to tell her to she goes over to the fridge which is an old like lead lined fridge that you would see in like indiana jones 4 <laughs> and opens the fridge just knocks everything out of the fridge and gets inside of it it was brilliant so sweet little ellie saved herself for a while and then she got killed yeah well the thing is she actually also survived Madman Mars' attack. She didn't actually die until later when Betsy is scared and shoots Ellie in the face because <laughs> Betsy's a dick. Exactly. So that's why she's my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one. Ellie survives basically the longest out of any character. Mm -hmm. And Ellie in the fridge is also my favorite scene. So I don't think I need to beat it, beat it to death again because we've already talked about it. But mm -hmm. Brennan, what was your favorite scene? My favorite scene was the jacuzzi, so I also don't need to beat that to death any more <laughs> than I need to. One more thing about Ellie yes. is that her boyfriend was Bill, who was the guy with the mustache. And Ellie's hair was permed to the high heavens. So in my notes for my review, I was calling them Holland Oats because I couldn't remember their names for the life of me. I mean, now I do because I have them all sorted out. But Holland Oats, they're the perfect Holland Oats couple. They are. It's wonderful. So now we'll be moving on to also one of my favorite segments, the Splatter Dome. Bladder. And now a moment of silence for those who have departed us. Mrs. Mars is axed. Baby boy Mars is axed. Baby girl Mars is axed. Dippy's throat is slashed. TP is hung like a roll of TP. Dave is decapitated with an axe. Stacy is decapitated with a car hood. Surprise. Bill's back is broken. Ellie is axed in the chest and shot in the face by Betsy, who's a dick. <laughs> Betsy is finally impaled on a meat hook. Betsy's a dick. All right, now is the time to discuss our best kill. Shannon, what was your favorite kill? My favorite kill, once again, was not actually done by the scariest character or, or whoever is the title villain. It was done by stupid Betsy, who killed, who killed my favorite character, Ellie, by literally shooting her in the face. It just, it was so random. It was really random, especially because I definitely thought Ellie was dead because she got an axe buried in her chest real deep, real deep. Which is exactly why I love her so much. She's so resilient. Just very, very scrappy. And she just survives and survives. I wouldn't be surprised, surprised if after the movie, even though she was shot in the face, she's still alive. Mm -hmm. I hope so. And my favorite kill is Betsy, because Betsy is the worst. So moving on to who we would re resurrect. Uh, like I had just said, I still believe that Ellie is alive. So I'm going to mix things up and say that I would resurrect Unibrow. <laughs> Unibrow Dave, because Unibrow Dave had some, some of the best dialogue in the entire movie, because he was all talk, and I think he was completely useless in the film. He did absolutely nothing. That's true, and he was insane, so he could come back in the sequel to stab everybody. Which would be perfect. Although maybe we don't need more Madman. Yeah, I think I think this, this movie can die as horribly as everyone in the movie <laughs> died. Alright, well, I would resurrect Stacy because I think she needs to at least get some action before she dies for real. Mm, yeah, totally. And who would we kill? I, I would re-kill TP. <laughs> I would resurrect him and then kill him again. Does that even count? 
Probably not. Okay, so you have to understand, there's only, what, seven characters that are left alive at the end of the film? Seven? Yeah, because there's the five children. Oh. And then there's, there's Richie, who is also a child, and then there's the camp director. So if we wanted to be humane and not kill a child, we would kill the camp director. Which makes sense anyway, because it's, it's the last day of camp, and he literally leaves to go drink and gamble, and leaves, like, all the children with these camp counselors. Which is also a weird thing, because there are more camp counselors than there are children. Yeah, there's like 11,000 camp counselors and like five kids. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. But, you know, if we were actually going to kill someone, it would have to be the camp director. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what this says about my humanity, but my person that I would kill is Richie, because <laughs> I don't care if he's 14 or whatever. He is useless. He spends the entire... Well, he's the one who calls out to Madman Mars in the beginning and sets off this entire train wreck of events. And then he just spends the entire movie wandering around in the woods, not doing anything, watching people die, and not helping. And then in the end, he survives. Yeah, I mean... He deserves a gory death like everybody else. Yeah. All right, Shannon, you know what time it is? Oh, I think so. It's game time. All right. Heck yes. Heck yes, it's game time. All right. The first game today is the... Divination Game! Alright, this is the game where I tell Shannon the future careers of three of the cast members of this film, and she has to guess which ones they are. Are you ready, Shannon? I'm so ready. I'm gonna give you clues for this one because it's a little harder than last time. I'm gonna tell you right away, all three of these people are male, and none of them are TP. Okay, thank god. Okay. Which teen actor later became an extra in the seminal lesbian film, But I'm a Cheerleader? What? No way. How did I not know that? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, hmm. Um, I'm gonna say Bill? I'm sorry, but the answer is Dave, your <gasps> favorite, Mr. Unibrow. Mr. Unibrow. Okay, next question. Which young actor went on to become the legal counselor for a series of religious flicks, including Suffer the Little Children, The Book of Caleb, and The Hamster Factor, and Other Tales of Twelve Monkeys, which is not a religious flick, so I apologize for grouping that in together. I mean, it, it sounds like a religious flick. Okay, um... Uh, Bill? Yes! That oh, one yes. was Bill. Congratulations! Sweet. Okay, so you got one point. I'm gonna give it, if you get this next one right, you get two points, you win the game. Are you ready? Yes. What adult actor went on to become a model maker for the TV series The Bear in the Big Blue House? No way. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, was it Madman Mars? No, it wasn't. It was Dippy the Drunk Cook. Oh my god, Isn't Dippy! Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he also did the graphics and animation for Little Shop of Horrors. Huh. Right on. And also, Dippy the Cook was the only role he ever played in his entire career. I knew it. He must have been some weird cameo thing. I don't... I don't know. Okay. Anyway, so that's the end of our divination game. Shannon got one out of three. Not as good a record as last time, but I don't blame you. These guys were not as memorable. That's true. Let's move on to our next game. Um, our next game is Boff, Mary Kill. You guys can play along on our Facebook and our Tumblr. On Tumblr, we're scream101podcast.tumblr.com, and on Facebook, we're scream101podcast, so you can look at pictures while you're playing, as long as you're not driving. We don't want you to crash into anyone, because then you can't subscribe to our podcast. That's true. So, we have one male round and one female round. So the first round is the male round. Would you boff, marry, or kill TP, Bill, that is Mustache Bill, or Unibrow Dave? 
I would, let's, let's just start from the top. I would definitely kill TP because everyone would kill TP despite his singing voice, which is like kind of okay. <laughs> um, so kill TP, I would boff Unibrow Dave and I would marry um, Garfunkel and Oates, mustache Bill. Yeah. I would also marry Bill because he seems really nice. Yeah. And he's down to do it in the woods. Like, that's great. Yeah, and I mean, he and Ellie were together, and Ellie is a perfect human being, so it says something about his character. Uh -huh. And I would kill TP because his idea of a good time is doing it in a jacuzzi and spinning around, and that would make me dizzy and hot and sick, and it would just be gross. And that leaves Dave to Boff, and I guess that's fine. All right, so for the female round, Boff, Mary, kill, Betsy, the main character, Ellie, who's your favorite character, or Stacy, who's my favorite character. Okay, I would marry Ellie, obviously. <laughs> I would boff Stacy because she's spunky and amazing. And then I would kill Betsy because Betsy's a dick. Yeah. I would I would marry Stacy because Stacy's my favorite character. I would boff Ellie in a refrigerator. <laughs> and I would kill Betsy because Betsy's a dick. All right. Let's move on to our closing statements and our recommendations. Perfect. Okay, so the re recommendation that I have for our audience today is actually one of the films that I saw with Brennan actually in theaters. We saw it at the silent movie theater in Hollywood, which was really fun, and it's called The Burning. It's one of um, the video nasties. Brennan, can you explain a little bit about the video nasties? Yeah. I can't remember. The video nasties were, okay, in England in the early 80s, there was this moralistic panic that horror movies were going to cause people to kill each other and murder each other in really interesting ways, which would have been cool, frankly. But it caused a whole bunch of um, early slasher films to be illegalized and taken out of video stores and banned from the country for at least a decade. Mm -hmm. Like, um, a lot of movies like The Evil Dead and The Burning were banned from the country and didn't get genuine releases until, like, this century. And so the Cine Family Theater, which is at the Silent Movie Theater, they had a marathon of midnight movies of all of the video nasties. And The Burning, in particular, is a really cool one with gore effects by Tom Savini that also happens to be based on the Cropsey Campfire legend. Yeah, so if you want to watch a movie that is similar and has the same legend base but is actually a good film and is worth your time to watch, then I definitely say look at The Burning. Um, they have this gr these great effects, and also they have a great lumberjack-looking camp counselor who gets to hold an axe, and it's very pleasing. Mm, yes, it is. All right, and my recommendations are, if you want a better movie that works with silhouettes, I would recommend... Sorry, these are really specific because I was just trying to think of the few things that this movie did well. <laughs> if you want a better movie with silhouettes, look, Final Exam from 1981. It's a movie set at a college campus, it's got some really challenging camera work. It's not like the best slasher in the world, but I had a great time. If you want a better movie with both axe decapitations and a summer camp, Friday the 13th, it's a classic. Look no further. And if you want a better movie with Galen Ross, she was only in a couple, but one of those couple was Dawn of the Dead, which is the classic zombie film. So check it out if you haven't seen it. And in closing... If you would like to contact us, you have a giant list of places where you can do that now. We've set up all of our social media empire. Yeah, so you have Facebook, like we said before, Scream 101 Podcast. We have a Twitter, Scream 101 Pod. We have Tumblr, Scream101Podcast.tumblr.com. We have SoundCloud, which is where we're hosting our uh, podcast. 
which again you can find by searching Scream 101 Podcast. We have our email, scream101podcast at gmail.com, and we also have iTunes where you can subscribe. And please rate and review. We would really love to hear some feedback and help us get um, some more listeners for our very niche um, podcast. Yeah, we would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, by the way, you guys, if you made it all the way this far to the end. Yeah, pat on the back to you. And Shannon will give you the clue for next week's episode. Brennan doesn't like this clue, but I like this clue, so he's going to have to suffer. So our clue for next week's uh, movie is that it rhymes with a brand of cheese. That's all I'm going to give you. Have fun. It's a loose rhyme at best. Whatever. And we will be playing you out with the sonic masturbation that is I Don't Need Words by Tony Fish and for Tony Fish, written for the Madman soundtrack by Tony Fish.